So anyway, guys, uh, you have uh, you have uh, thoroughly at, you've asked some great thorough questions uh, for myself and for Reggie that we want to address. We have time for basically three that kind of all they're all encompassing of the questions that we received. So we're going to dig straight into those, and we're going to sing one more song. We'll be finished for today. Uh, so Reg, um, here's the first question. I'll let you take a crack at it first. What is a practical way to engage or even broach a hard, difficult series of conversations with others where we show love and respect for each other uh, despite our differences? Say that one more time. What's a practical way to engage really in the nitty-gritty of racial reconciliation? I'm guessing with people that look different than you, people of a different race, uh, where we show love and respect for each other even though we have differences. So how do you enter in? How do you take the relationship and, and, and go there with it? What's that, what's that look like? Well, I think you can connect out of a commonness. You know, you got kids that play ball together. You, there are a lot of things you do. You go to the same grocery store. You may walk at the same park. You uh, go to the same gym. You meet somebody. And black people are pretty astute at what we call feeling the wind. Right, because it's not a, it's not like it's it's not like a, you don't have to think about racial dynamics, right? You know, uh, but we do in, in as a, as a means of survival, mm-hmm. right? As, as a boy growing up in Southwest Georgia, it was survival, not not just uh, something nice to think about, and so we can gauge pretty quickly whether you are authentic or not. Um, and um, I think. There are many people like myself that's looking for authentic, genuine relationship. And so just just be yourself. Ask questions and show interest in the person. You know, do something that's, you know, you, you it, do something that you can connect with out here first before you invite them to your home or well, you know, that yeah. sort of stuff, right? Yeah, and I, I've discovered that uh, just going at this for about seven or eight years now, I've discovered that, uh, that people of color like it's race is always a conversation for them it's it's new to the white person for race to be a conversation piece and that's why it can feel you know so awkward like are we allowed to go there and mm-hmm. and what i found is that especially you know folks whether they're black latino asian when we talk about racial dynamics even when when something occurs like you know whether it's the the, the daca dreamer bill with my hispanic brothers and sisters or you know, or, or, or a shooting that's happened, a murder that's happened, police brutality that's happened. I've found that just reaching out counts for more than anything that I could say wrong. Yeah, I mean, neutral trust, respect, and accountability, every relationship is built on that, right? And so, uh, and then there are different levels of relationship. You know, for, there's a, uh, please to make your acquaintance, right? That's, and then there is the uh, common agenda, like you might do something together, you got a common interest or sure, yeah. so then there's a there's a there's a shared interest then there's then you get to intimacy mm. and then that's when I'll start telling you like what I think right or what may be I might get to what scares me, but when we get to bonded the fifth level, then I can tell you what you know, hey, this happened to me when I was a kid, and this is why I reacted the way I react. And then the last one, the sixth one, is unconditional. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like a, a like a mother and a kid, the kids. You know, um, and so you, it takes time to get to those levels, 
So you don't jump from acquaintance to unconditional overnight, but you can go, for, uh, or, or let's say acquaintance from bonded to bonded overnight, but you can go from bonded to acquaintance overnight if you say something real dumb, you know, or yeah. a good example like that would be like Drew Brees, right? I mean, everybody love, love I mean, I'm a Falcons fan and I love Drew Brees, but I'm just kind of looking like, you know what day it is, right? You know what day this is happening mm -hmm. on. And so um, he went from bonded in a lot of people all the way back to acquaintance. Yeah. And it takes some time to earn that back. Yeah. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just, just easing in, but, but start easing into the conversation because it's already a conversation for them. You're the only one that's not really a part of it yet. Care about the person, yeah. right? That's listen at the person, right? What, where, where are they coming from? What is it that we're trying to say yeah. to each other? And just care. Mm, that's good, Reg. Thank you for that. Okay, so we're really getting into the nitty gritty here now. So how would you advise a white person who wants to learn from their black brothers and sisters, but is afraid that his or her own ignorance will come across as insensitive. Essentially, how do you have helpful conversations when you don't know where to start and are afraid of causing more hurt? Um, again, honesty, humility, transparency, uh, straight up front, I might get this wrong. Hey, if I say something that's, that, that doesn't sound right to you, please, let's, in a spirit of agreement, let's deal with this. But there's a way to decrease ignorance. Like if I, I yeah, mean, I, I mean, I, I used to know nothing about accounting, and then I went to school, and I I know about debits and credits and till accounts and all that stuff now, and I've been out for 25 years, right? And so there's a way. So there, you could begin to read, read certain books. Uh, yeah. You know, th there's a way to decrease it. Hook up with somebody and say, "Teach me what's going on in your life. Yeah. Teach me about you, and I'll tell you about me." Because see, I'm interested in learning, right, about you too. Like the, my big mystery for most of the Caucasians have been, has been, how can you not see it, mm. right? And and so I've had to step back and say, well, let me. I had to start asking the why question. Well, why is it can't they see it? And as I began to say, oh, there's a socialization that's happened here that causes a blindness to me on so inside and them on another side, and we have to decrease that blindness to be the meat in the middle. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Do the work. Do the work. That's good. Okay, now this one is really hits home uh, here, kind of where the rubber meets the road. How do we embrace racial change within New City without hurting those few minorities who are helping us blaze the trail? Mm -hmm. How do we avoid the appearance of tokenism or avoid unintentionally engaging in tokenism? Yeah, I mean, I thought about that, and I looked up tokenism because you told me that question earlier. Tokenism is the practice of making only a perfunctory or symbolic effort to do a particular thing, especially by recruiting a small number of people for, from underrepresented, underrepresented groups in order to give the appearance of sexual or racial equality within the workforce. So if you're going to do it, do it, right? Just what you can't do is say, hey, we will accept you if you become honorary white. Yeah. Talk more right? about that. What do you mean by that? 
Well, if you, if you, if, if you uh, can talk like, walk like, act like, you know, you process stuff like, you fit into my culture. If you fit into my culture well enough, again, I've lived this. I, I, I've been the only piece of pep at the table for a long time, right? I mean, when we would go to our district conferences, I couldn't leave because if I left, it would be boring as I'll get, a, get out at time. But if I left, they go, there goes Reggie, right? And so, I, I mean, I, I've lived in a 90-something percent world for the last 25 years. And so... Uh, but much of what happens, I fit in because culturally it wasn't that big of a gap. But what if I brought in more uh, uh, culture, you know, of black culture than the group was used to, right? Uh, I remember my first question um, um, to the orda ordaining people, licensing people. They asked me, "What do you want? What did you want to be growing up?" I said. Uh, uh, architectural engineer, or uh, I wanted to work in civil rights. C civil rights. And, and the guy looked at me and said, you still don't want to do that, do you? Right? But, but there was a sense of ignorance oh, there. Man. And so, what, so it's this whole fitting into this. They were checking the boxes to make sure I could fit into the honorary white culture. And so tokenism has to do on your side. Really? Right? It, do you want a token or do you want the real deal? Just know, I mean, you're trying to create a culture here and there'll be misunderstanding and uh, the program that you have running in your mind that, that, that you've been fed because we all have. If, I, if, this, was a, this, was a, if this was a swimming pool, right? And it, and, and it was full of, let's say it was full of water and we put red dye in there, right? And you jump in and get out on the other side. All of us, we would be colored red. Why? Because that will, that's, that's, these are the, those will be the waters that we're swimming in. We've all been swimming in waters that have been dominated by, this thing has been structured. I mean, you can't have 400 years of man stealing, what the Bible calls it, which was slavery, not the worst form, chattel slavery, right? I mean, if you do the biography, almost a biography of almost every city in America, you will feel you will find wretched, uh, a wretched history of oppression and murder and rape, and all. it's been covered over. We didn't. We're not even talking about the Native Americans, right? You, so this thing was birthed in this, and and the control of it was intentional. We call it white supremacy, it, and so we can't swim in those waters and not be impacted by it just blows me away when I'm talking to a lot of my Caucasian friends that they don't think that white supremacy impacts their mentality it's just I have no answer for that I'm like let me go back and study some more to try to figure this out because I can't see how you don't see that so it has to do with your attitude man and your church's desire to be the authentic article that we know we got programs running, we're going to have to deal with those programs running, but we will represent the kingdom in this. Stumbling, crawling, crying, but at the end, we'll get the product that we want. Yeah, yeah, I think it, there was a temptation when we launched the church uh, and a real effort to really even have a, a, um, a, a black pastor kind of co-pastor this church with us. Um, 
and uh, and there were there were several uh, junctures that we hit where we 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 were we were on a good track with two or three different guys, and uh, and the values just weren't lining up. It had no and so and so there was a temptation at that point to say let's just blow through the values of disciple making, you know that's a big value of ours, and uh, and uh, I I remember losing sleep over this because we were waiting to launch the church to get the right team assembled, and and Leon's uh, and a couple other guys and. October of 2014 said, bro, you got to go and build it as you go. You build it by making disciples, holding out your values and seeking it because you're never going to stop seeking it if that's what you really want. So let, Let me say something on that. Again, we're dealing with something that's been around hundreds of years. And we got this deal called that, you know, the first black church was the AME church, right? The African Methodist Episcopal Church. That happened because Whites didn't want blacks worshiping with them. They said, oh, you can be in the slave gallery or the, another section. And so to think that we can come in overnight and create the ideal is, is that's, that's not reality. Mm-hmm. But we can shoot for it. You know, there are four governments. The self-government, how do you manage yourself with this? Right. Emotional intelligence says you have to be honest with yourself on how you react to people who are not like you. Right. Whatever is denied cannot be healed. So you got to, you know, don't don't play the game with this. What what's in your heart? Right. And how do you manage that? But that's 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 just you personally. The second government is your family government. Right. How is this thing passed down? How are you teaching your children? How are you managing that? Right. You have to manage that well and teach your kids about the dignity of every human being. Yes. Right. And, and counteract those messages that they're getting. OK. The third thing is a community, faith community. Israel, it was the children of Israel. Today for us is the church. How do you manage your church to represent the, the ideals of the Bible? And the last one is a civil or civic government, which what we see is off the chart. Now, it's just going. It's, it's crazy. So we could do something readily quickly with the first three we get on the same page and say how do we fix the fourth level of government right and so we can do this just be intentional about what you're doing I think we need to read together study together be honest about what we were raised in and the waters we swam in and make the necessary steps of repentance and just keep going forward, knowing that it's going to be, you got to get the right person too. You got to get a mature person on staff or a part of the group that's sure. going to walk on the journey with you. Yeah, yeah. It, it, costs, it costs more for the early adopters. It costs a lot. Yeah. But yeah. you have a good group here. I think, you know, I don't feel like, you know, other than when you didn't want to drink out of the water bottle. Yeah, but <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I don't feel like I, I don't feel any wind yeah. of of, uh, you know, we all have prejudice. But but in terms of racism, anything like that, when I come in here, it's, it's you got a good group. So I think you guys are well on your way. Reggie, brother, thank you so much for your your time today and for thank your you. your care. I mean, you've just been a father to us as a church and to me. Um, and uh, I just am so thankful for your kind of tender care to, to our people. Would you mind praying for us? Sure. Thank you. Father, thank you for this beautiful group and these beautiful people. And this church has been a bright spot. 
Ryan has been a personal friend. He calls and checks on me and he'll say, how you doing, brother? And I see us in the battle together. Um, yeah, it's not just a common agenda, but I see that this is an intimate, bonded relationship, and we want to do more uh, on that. Lord, um, I just pray, yes, that we create a space. We create a space where our children can operate and be proud of us that they tackle the biggest issue of the in the last four, uh, four or five centuries. My dad did that. My mom did that. New City did that. I had this, this feeling today, Lord, that my grandfather, born in 1909, saw all kind of deals, lynchings, did his best to protect all of his children. Massive injustice. But if I could, I, I, I guarantee you, if he was here today, if I was to dad, are you in despair what's going on? He said, no, son. This is the beginning of something great. Maybe we can finally live out what we're called to live out. May New City and Ryan have an awesome place in leading that out, Lord. And I pledge whatever support I can be for.